let's grab our Bibles. And we'll go back to, uh, let's go back to Philippians chapter number one. Let's go back there. Philippians chapter number one. That's where we were last week. And, um, <clears throat> and I want us to, I want us to maybe, um, I want us to see a couple things tonight. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to see a couple of things that I, I want us to, uh, to point out. And then I, I want to, I want to pray. And then I want us to, man, I, I don't know how how big of a dent I made in in your in your spirit last week, um, with ju- just understanding what we were dealing with in this fellowship in the gospel thing, and and I won't take a whole lot of time to reiterate much of that. But I, I do want to I want you to see a couple things before we pray. Um, it, it, take a Bible, go to Philippians chapter number one. Philippians chapter number one. And, and look, you 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 need if you don't have you can put it on your phone whatever you want to do. But for the sake of, of highlighting and stuff like that, it'd be cool if you had it. Um, there's five different places, and, it, and it's, it's interesting. When, when you read Paul's letters uh, to churches, there's, there's always an, an interesting way that he does things. It's, you know, he's always got a reason for why he's doing stuff, so he, he always starts out with that reason. And his, his reason is found in chapter number one. And, and you notice once you get through um, throughout kind of the doctrinal side of things with Paul, he always ends up bringing it back around to a practical application of things. And I, I think, I think we, we need to see uh, something that, that potentially could, could have a big impact on you. Um, we we said, I said this last week. Um, does does anybody remember where Paul's at? Uh, there there's there's uh, Ephesians and Colossians and Philemon and Philippians. They're all written uh, from a certain place. Uh, I said it last week, and I just kind of want to we'll just take a little quiz. Anybody remember where these were written from? Prison, prison. We know these to be the prison epistles. All right, so Paul was writing these from a prison cell or a, an imprisonment time period from about A.D. 60 to A.D. 62. So, uh, so the course of, over the course of two years. Now, it's interesting to me because this is not a short time period. It seems like, you know, uh, doing 90 days at county and then you're done. Now, we're talking about two, two years Two years at a prison in Rome, and in that two-year time period, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon came out of that whole two-year time period in Rome, and that's a big deal. Why? Because uh, how many of you understand that 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 we're probably me and you now? Now you may be different than me. I'll say me. I'm probably not going to be the dude that want, that needs to be writing Philippians, especially if I'm in jail. Does that make sense? <laughs> like, like I'm probably going to be, I'm, I need to be writing Jude. Like I need to be writing, I need to be over in Jude somewhere uh, contending for the faith because that's what I feel like I'm having to do in prayer. Well, well Paul, man, his, his theme is so interesting when he's writing these books that, that I, I, we got to see it. We got to see what, what we're dealing with. Uh, why? Well, because number one, uh, the Philippian church, are in the midst of great tribulation. They're in the midst of being persecuted. They're in the midst of 
uh, of a time period to where they're dealing with a lot of, of tribulation in their own life. And what Paul does in chapter number one is, man, it, it's kind of mind-blowing. You know, we, we read the Bible so fast. A lot of times we get our daily Bible and we just skim through things and we read it so fast. And it's just, it's really almost mindless. If you don't slow down and take some things from it. Uh, I want you to look in verse number five. Take, take some things from, from Paul uh, in, in what, what, he's, what he's dealing with. Uh, look in verse 5. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Okay, so, so you'll, you'll notice there's, there's going to be a common theme behind all these verses uh, that we're going to look at. Uh, go down to verse number 7. Verse number 7, the latter part. And in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. Uh, go, go, go to verse number 12. Verse number 12. Now remember, we're, we're dealing with the reasoning uh, behind the letter being written. Uh, the latter part, or let's just read the whole verse. But I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Okay, verse 17 but the other of love, knowing that I am set for a defense of the gospel. Go down, uh, go over to, uh, to, to my, if you've got to flip the page, uh, verse number 27. Verse number 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. Now remember... It, we're, we're writing this from, a, from what we know to be from other people and other scholars and my own friends that have went and visited where they believe they held the Apostle Paul. And, and, and uh, you, you, you know this, if you read the book of Philippians, you'll see the, uh, uh, the Philippian jailer converted uh, because of what the Apostle Paul uh, had done in the time of when the earthquake happened and he didn't run off. And yet, go, go, we'll, Go read that. That's, that's a miraculous event that's happened. Uh, but they kept Paul in an inner prison. They kept Paul on maximum security lockdown. you got to think about this. Uh, we're, we're at a bad spot with Paul. And all the only joy. Now, I want you to think about this with me. The only joy that can come out of Paul's life is surrounded by the gospel. So why, why is that such a big deal? Well, because here, here's, here's what I have figured out. Um, there's a lot of times in our lives where there's absolutely nothing that, to rejoice in. Like sometimes it just, it's just bad. Sometimes it's just not that great. And you know what Paul says? It doesn't have to be great for you to have joy. It, you don't have to be set free. You can actually be in a prison cell. You can actually be bound by something and you can have joy. What, why is that? Why is that so? Because listen, the only way we have consistent, real joy is the gospel. That's it. And, and, and you say, man, I, I, just, I, just don't, I just don't know about that. Well, I, 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 I want to try to help you see some of that tonight. And, and, and before we do that, I want us to pray. And then we'll, we'll jump into some of that tonight. Lord. Um, God, as we gather around your word, God, we know that it's, it's quick and it's sharp and it's, it's powerful. Uh, Lord, it, it divides the thoughts and the intent of man's heart. 
and God, you can see what, what I can't see. And, and, and God, for every person that needs to hear this, for every person that, don't, that, that claims they don't need to hear it, uh, God, I pray that you drive deep in their heart the truth that, that the gospel really is joy. Uh, Lord, that it is, is, is as Paul said in, in Romans 1, uh, that it is the power of God unto salvation. And God, I, I pray that you help us see, um, Lord, that, that maybe some of our intentional pursuits in life that have nothing to do with the gospel are the reason, uh, Lord, that we're miserable. Lord, that we have no peace. Lord, we have no joy. We have no uh, contentment in our life. And, and God, we're, we're at a place, Lord, to where it's, uh, Lord, it's almost do or die. And, and we're at a place to where we don't have what we desperately want. So, God, I, I pray that you'd help us see that tonight. Lord, uh, just, just bless what's said and bless what's done. And, and, Lord, bless my heart behind it. In Jesus' name, amen. So these five places... Um, five times that the word gospel is mentioned in chapter number one. They're, they're the reason. They're the reason that that's, this book is being written. And, and last week we looked at, at, at their fellowship in the gospel. And, and we looked at it, it, it being a big deal uh, for the Apostle Paul to, 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 uh, to engage with the Philippian church. And I want you to see he, he was not actually engaging with this Philippian church face to face. It was an engagement in a letter, but Paul longed for these people. He, he longed, and, and look, look in verse number 8, really, really, really cool verse. Uh, and and I, I think that if you can get this, this, this would be a big deal for you. Uh, for God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ, in the inner parts of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and so he says this in verse number 5. He says, for your fellowship in the gospel. Now, now what's again, what's crazy is, and you may not have ever experienced this before, but the only reason that you've never experienced it is because you've never participated in it. There is a certain fellowship in the gospel that you don't actually have to be in the presence of a person to have great fellowship with. Why? Because I don't always have to be in your presence to be able to long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Why? Well, because there's certain fellowship that can only be found in the gospel. And, and, and look, this fellowship is deep. It's not like friendship. It goes way deeper than friendship. A lot of times I'm only friends, I'm only like, like friends, friends with people that kind of like the same thing I do. Why? Because we have the same thing in common. I don't, I don't really call people on the phone and talk to them uh, that, that we're not talking about something that I have in common with them at that point in time. Does that make sense? You're probably, you're probably kind of similar. Unless, unless that friendship is built, built around fellowship in the gospel. And there's some, there's some people in here like that. I've got, I've got people in here that our fellowship is, is built around fellowship in the gospel. And so last week we looked at a couple of things that fellowship was found in the church of God. And, and fellowship is shaped in the mission of God. Fellowship is shaped in the mission of God. That you and me, that we're on the same mission. That we're in the same way. That we're headed the same, uh, in the same path. And then, and then fellowship is centered around the will of God. And uh, we looked at, at, at verse number 6, uh, being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you 
will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. And this was Paul's prayer. Hey, man, you you, you got to be confident. And I'm going to be confident that at you being in the center of God's will, that, 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 that this thing that he started in you, this good work that he started... Hey, it's going to be performed under the day of Jesus Christ. It, it's here, here's, here's where we get out of kilter is when, when we're out of the will of God in terms of the mission. When all of our focus is not, is not on the mission, it's on ourselves. It's on what we want. It's on what we feel like right. It's on, hey, I feel like this or I feel like that. And listen, friend, that is out of kilter. And that, that's when friendship needs to be thrown out the window. Does that make sense? Why? Well, because our fellowship is based on the will of God. It should be centered uh, around the will of God. And, and then we looked at fellowship is sincere in the people of God. Fellowship is sincere in, in the people of God. And then, and, then, and then fellowship, and this is a, this is a, this is a cool one because uh, we dealt with verses 9, 10, 11. We're going to go back to 9, 10, 11. We're going to deal with something a little bit different tonight. But fellowship wants to see, uh, wants to see fellowship birthed. Real fellowship, like fellowship in the gospel, wants to see other fellowship in the gospel birthed. It wants to see it manufactured. It wants to see, uh, why? Because once you fellowship with somebody in the gospel, well, you want to see that same fellowship in other people. I, I, I Interesting deal. I, I know uh, 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 Daniel and um, it just hit me. Daniel and Justin Bowie are good friends, and and they they talk a lot. Uh, and and, and I, I look at their relationship. And Justin likes a lot of things that maybe Daniel don't like, and I think Daniel likes a lot of things maybe Justin don't like, and vice versa. But you know what's interesting is is you know every time me and Daniel talk, well I hear well me and Justin was talking about this the other day, or me and Justin was talking about that. And what's interesting about that is when, when you and I as believers get on that page and it turns into more of a fellowship around something, that something being the gospel, uh, then, then you know what else? You know what don't matter? Preferences don't matter. It doesn't matter anymore what Justin likes and what Daniel likes. Why? Well, because it's not about that anymore. What's it about now? What's it about? It starts with a G. It's about what? The gospel. It's about the gospel. It's about our fellowship in the gospel. And, and what is crazy, this is, this is what's crazy about this deal, is that you can see joy in the heart of Paul over the gospel. Like you can see it. And not that you can just see it, you can see it at a terrible time in his life. You can see it from a prison cell. You can see it, 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 it writing from candlelight on an old piece of parchment. You, you can see it. And, and what's, what's amazing is, is me and you need to... Man, I, I want us to make sure that we get some amazement back to us to where we can see that, that the gospel is a big deal, number one. So what is the gospel? Well, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4, says that the gospel is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
That, that it is the death and the burial. And, and look, it, it, there, is a, there is a part of us that's heard that preach for so long that, that we have lost the amazement of what it, what it means to be dead with Christ and die the death He died and, and, and be buried with Christ and, but, but, but then be risen to new life. Which it, when we, I, think, I think that it can become such a repetitious thing that we lose we lose what amazement we had when we came to Jesus Christ that He would save us anyway, and and and, and so we got we need to we need to we need to have that fervor that Paul has, and we need to see that it is a big deal, like that we've been raised to newness of life with Jesus Christ, and that our joy it doesn't stem out of things in this world. It doesn't stem. My joy doesn't come from my marriage. Why, why don't my joy come from my marriage? Because my marriage ain't always joyous. My, my joy doesn't come from my kids, even though, even though my marriage and my kids have joy in them and they make me happy. They don't come, they don't come from my kids. Why? Well, because they're all byproducts of the one thing that did my marriage the only good that it ever got. They're the one byproduct, that, the one byproduct of my kids. My kids are a byproduct, and what they are now, of the one thing that came into my life that changed their life. What was that? The gospel. And so Paul rounds us, he brings us back around. He brings this Philippian church, it's in great tribulation. Hey, you need to understand, man, the gospel don't, don't lose focus. Don't lose focus on what's important. And, and maybe we've lost a little bit of focus in that. Maybe we've lost a little bit of focus in that, right? Maybe we, we, we have minimized, it and, 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 and uh, you know, I've grew past the gospel thing. Well, I, I'll be honest with you. I want to fellowship with you in the gospel. Now, I don't want our fellowship to be about things that we like. Why not? Because I really just don't care about talking about some of them things sometimes. How many of you got, I'm going to say something, gonna, I hope it don't tick everybody off. <laughs> How many of you have, have, have two good friends? You got two. You got, I mean, have you got one good friend? There wasn't a whole lot of hands. You got one good friend, okay? Wasn't a whole lot of hands went up. I was going to say, man, uh, we got some Eeyores in here right now. <laughs> Nobody cares. Hey, listen, I got two good friends, okay? I got at least two. I, I got more, but I, I got at least two good friends. And I'll say this, a man that has friends must show himself what? Friendly. You got to be friendly to have friends, but... You ain't got no friends. You're probably not friendly, but but you got to be friendly, right? All right. So so I got I got at least two good friends. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes keeping up two good friendships is hard, right? Maybe y'all don't believe that either. Does anybody else have any kids or a husband or a wife or anything? Keeping up two good friendships sometimes is kind of a hard deal. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's kind of hard. All right, you know what the you know what the easiest thing for you, me, me and you to do? It'd be fellowship, fellowship in the gospel. 
It, it, the easiest thing that you and I could accomplish, it would be harder for me and you. Now, look, discipleship's a different deal. If you're in discipleship with somebody, it's, you, you better figure out how to be friends with them, right? Because y'all are in it for a long time. But here's what I will say. That friendship should turn into fellowship in the gospel. It should turn into fellowship in the gospel. Now, why do I say that? Well, I, I want you, um, maybe go to Romans 1. This is just a verse that I think we all maybe forget sometimes, but we need, we need to see this. Romans 1 and verse 14 is where we'll start. Romans 1 and, and verse number 14. Paul says uh, to the churches at Rome, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also, that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Okay, what is the gospel of Christ? Remember, it's 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. This was the thing that changed his life on the Damascus Road. And look what he says it is. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. All right, so therein, therein what? What is, there, what is the therein? It's the gospel. For therein. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God revealed. Everybody see that? The gospel of Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God revealed. Now look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may, uh, which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. So, so this idea of the gospel has been shown. It, it, God is going to manifest it to them. How is he going to do that? Well, verse number 20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So, so, so the power of God unto salvation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, that's, that's what's really... So what's really cool about it is that God chose that. And you know what he you know what he chose? He chose something so humble yet so powerful. The, the gospel is extremely humble. It's not it, 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 why? Well because it's the death and the burial and the resurrection. It is a humble thing. It's a lowly thing. It, it's 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 a lowly thing. The, 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 the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the scourging of Jesus Christ, the mock trial of Jesus Christ, the being hung on a cross naked before all of, all of the world at that time to see, man, that's a humble thing. Being, being buried in a borrowed tomb, that's a humble thing. What's crazy is God says the most powerful thing 
It is the most powerful thing. And so my fellowship with you should be based around what God called the most powerful thing. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, when you get into to Philippians here, what, what's crazy is they are already preaching the gospel. And remember, they're preaching the gospel because Paul's fellowship with them was, was what? What was it in? Come on, let's see, it starts with a G. We've been talking about that a The gospel. His fel- I, I promise you, man, y'all think I'm just tricky. I know your mind's probably just blank when I say that. You just, why, all the way across your mind. But, but it, it's never a trick question. Paul's fellowship was within, with them was in the gospel, in what they were already preaching. They're, what brought them together, and it was special, what brought them together was the gospel. Now, how could fellowship in the gospel bring you and me together? How could it bring anybody together? Well, I thought of a, of, of a couple of things. One, um, mine and your, your prayers about the people that we were giving the gospel to would bring us together, right? If I came to you and I said, hey man, listen, I, I'm, I'm on a mission to give the gospel to this one person, and you're, you're praying with me about that. Man, wouldn't that, wouldn't that bring us together? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be cool if that person that me and you prayed for came to Christ, that, that, that I gave the gospel? Because listen, how many of you understand, you're supposed to give the gospel. You're not responsible for them accepting it. Why? Well, some plant, some water, and, and God gives the increase. It's not on you whether, it's not my responsibility to see people come to faith in Christ. It's my responsibility to give the gospel. And this is what they understood. They were preaching the gospel. And, and, and not only just praying about people coming to faith and, and praying about people that we could give the gospel to. It, it, what about witnessing together? What about if me and you? What, what about if me and you uh, went out and we we did witness together, or maybe we were somewhere together, and, and we both had the same mind, and we witnessed the power of the gospel, the power of salvation together, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we did that together. Then then our then our fellowship would be around that. And there's probably a host of other things, but those those are just a couple of things that I I could think about right off the top of my head. But of all of that, of all of this, of all this fellowship and, and of, of all of what Paul is, is already seeing them do and, and, and them fellowshipping the gospel already, Paul prays something in verse number 9. And we've been over this prayer probably five or six times in this church. But, but God always ends up bringing out more the more, you know, the more we study it. And God will unveil more truth as, as, you get, as you get wisdom and you get understanding. Verse 9, Paul prays and he says, I pray, and this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. He, he, prays, uh, he, he prays for an increase of love. Now, now again, remember, we're talking about a church that's doing it. We're talking about a church that's in the Apostle Paul's mind that is doing it. I mean, he is longing to see these people. 
He's longing with the, with the, the Bible calls, that old English word, the bowels of Jesus Christ. Man, he's longing to, to see them and, and, and to be a part of them and to be with them and, and to be in fellowship and around them. Man, he, 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 he's saying, hey, I, listen, I, I, you were with me from the first day until now. Hey, you were, you were about the mission. You were about me preaching. You were about me giving it out. And, and look, praise the Lord for you being about it. But here's the deal. You need to grow and you need to increase in love. You need to increase in love. And not just love. But your love may abound yet more in knowledge and in all judgment. That your love may abound in knowledge. That, that this, this, this love that you have, it abounds while you are growing in knowledge. And while you're growing in all judgment. Does that make sense? Why, why, why is that such a big deal? Well, you can, I, I want to say this, and, and, and I, want you to, I want you to make sure you get this. You can abound in knowledge and not in love. You can abound in knowledge and not in love. You can get a whole lot of knowledge and not have any love. You can learn a whole lot of things about the Bible and yet not abound in love. You can, learn, you, can, you can listen and you can read and you can study and you can know all the things you need to know and you can, you, you can have your hermeneutics down to a T on how you study the Bible. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. Listen. Love be a diminishing factor in your life. Don't matter how much you know. And you know who don't, you know who don't care how much you know? Lost people. Lost people don't give a rip how much you know. The world doesn't care how much, we, how much about anything we know. They don't, care, they don't care that we know anything at all. And so Paul says, I, here's my prayer for you. If you're going to keep, you ready for this? If you're going to keep being effective in, in preaching the gospel, then your love is going to have to increase in knowledge and in all judgment. We don't have to turn here, but if you wanted to mark down the verse, First uh, Corinthians 8 and verse 1, the Bible says, Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Verse, verse 2, he says, And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet is he ought to know it. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. So we, 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 must abound, we must abound in love as we grow in knowledge. We must abound in love as we grow in judgment. Well, what do you mean judgment? Well, I know, I, I know that's, a, that's a rather tricky word in the day and age in which we live. We, we live in the age where there's... Uh, there's way more entertainment given to, to wickedness than there are anything. I, I mean, you know, I've said it before. It, it's a shame that we can, that we celebrate a, a six-year-old deciding that, that they don't want to be the gender they were born with. Seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, whatever. It's a shame that we live in that culture. They can do whatever they want to do. 
They can be whoever they want to be. And look, look, that that's not the case. And so, here, here ready? I'm to abound in judgment with love. Does that make sense? I'm to abound in judgment. I, 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 I'm to grow in judgment. But I got to do it with love. What does that mean? It means that you speak the truth, what? In love. What is this word judgment? Uh, this word judgment is, is, uh, is what's fair and what's just. What's fair and what's just. It, it can mean two different things. It can mean the judgment of God that is going to be fair and just. Whosoever's name was not found in the book of life shall be cast in the lake of fire. How many of you understand? That's fair and that's just. Everybody understand that? That's fair and just, right? Why? Because he gave them a shot. You give them a shot, they rejected their shot, and so what happens? They're casting like a fire, okay? At the same time, a simple judgment on, on, on what's right here today. Just making any, make any judgment you want to make. You see, it, it, can go, it can go way far to the other side, or it can just, hey, what's fair and what's just? It's real simple, right? We make judgment calls. We make judgment calls when we're raising our kids. Some of them's right and some of them's wrong, but we still have to make those judgment calls, right? We make them in the church. But, but make, make sure you don't, you don't get away that this church was commanded as they grew in, as they grew in knowledge and in judgment. He said, I pray that your love may abound. That as you grow in, in knowledge, you, you're going to need as much love as you are knowledge. You're going to need as much love as you are judgment. Why? Because I've, 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 at times I have let my knowledge outrun my love. And I have let my judgment outrun my love. I'll be honest with you, there's some times when I'm like, man, I'm tired of loving through all this nonsense. Like it's 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 time, it's time to why it's time it, 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 we know what's right. Right? How many of you understand? Well, most of them we know what's right. There ain't a whole lot of gray in this book. Actually, I don't think there's any. So I gotta I gotta increase in love and and in 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 the area of judgment, in the area of knowledge. And, and I, wrote, I wrote down a, another thing. That, look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. He says that you may approve things that are excellent. So, so I need to grow. Are you ready for this? I need to grow in my love. I need to increase in my love as I grow in my knowledge and, and my judgment why? So that I can approve things that are excellent. That I, that I, he's talking to this church, well, let's, let's apply this. That ye may be sincere, that you and I, that we may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. So I need to increase in love in, in, the, in, in the area of my growth in knowledge and my growth of judgment. And when I do that, guess what happens? This is, what I, this is, this is how I work. That is going to fall out to truth being preached and truth being lived. 
He says that you may approve things that are excellent. You may approve things that are excellent, and then you may be sincere and without offense under the day of Christ. Now, I, here's, here's, here's how I work. I looked up this word approved in my Bible, and I looked at places, uh, other places to where it was translated. And I, I found these other places, and it, it means uh, to discern. This word approve, it means to discern. It means to prove. It means to try. It means to test. And, and, and here's what God's saying. That me and you are to discern. We are to prove. We are to try. We are to test. We are to approve the things that are excellent. What are excellent things? These are things that are valuable. The, these are, are things that are valuable. How many of you have seen, uh, went to the gas station and, and they took out that little black marker, you give them a $20 bill, and, and I don't know, nobody does that much anymore, but I still like to carry around... I, I still, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, I'm of the theory that if you don't have some cash, you're just in a bad way. I mean, I really, I, I have a major stress. You guys, Jordan, I have a major stress in my soul that if there's not cash on me, that then, then I'm, you know, I feel like the the aliens are going to take me away at some point. Like I, I'm, I'm for real. Like there's there, like Jordan's, you know, I count it to the. To the dollar, I know how many's there, I, and, and nobody gets to touch it unless I say you can touch it. Why? Because there, I don't know. It's this thing inside. It's probably wrong, but it's this thing inside of me. But how many of you see that? You seen that black marker? They pull out now, and you give them a hundred, give them a twenty, and they'll mark on that thing. If it turns a certain color, it's real. If it turns a different color, it's fake. I ain't never had the fake thing happen. That'd be a terrible deal, by the way. But for the sake of understanding, the illustration here would be testing the same way for authenticity. Paul, Paul's saying that you, you increase in, in love, that when you're loved, that you abound in love, and in, in, in knowledge and in judgment, as you grow in knowledge and judgment, that you're going to be able to prove things that are excellent. You're going to be able to test authentic things, that you're going to be able to prove and you're going to be able to discern what is, what's authentic in your life. Now, when I say authentic, I, I'm talking about things that aren't fake. Does that make sense? Things that aren't fake. You know what ain't fake? The judgment seat of Christ. You know what is fake? Most of the things we want to do. Why? Bible calls them vanity. That's a fake thing. That's a, that's a, that's a, uh, vain things are fake things, and, and this is this is this is what the heart of the apostle Paul is trying to get this Philippian church to see. I'm in a prison cell, and I want you to understand. I'm not going after fake things. I'm, I'm writing this letter because I want you to understand that you got to approve. I've approved things that are excellent, and I want you to be able to do that. I want you to see that the mission, that the mission is, is worth it. 
How many of you understand that we need the ability to distinguish those things that are truly important so that we then can establish right priorities in life? You need the ability. You need the discernment. You need the, the ability to approve the things that are excellent. So why? Because when we, when we decide, here's how we work. When we decide what's right, you know what we do? We prioritize after we decide what's right and what's important. You, you don't figure out what you prioritize until you figure out what's important. Like if, if, if the gospel is important, then we prioritize around the gospel. Hey, if growing in the Lord's important, then we prioritize around growing in the Lord. You say, well, I just got so many other things going. Well, here's what we don't have going. We, have, we don't have going that we're approving things that are excellent. Why? Well, probably because we're not abounding in love in the arena of our growth in knowledge and judgment. See, when I grow in knowledge and judgment, then, then, then man, I, I, I'm able to approve the things that are excellent. And when I approve them, and when I, when I put my stamp of approval on those excellent things, then guess what happens? I start prioritizing my life after that. That's why Jesus told the disciples, you got to count the cost. Why? Because it really does cost. That's what Paul's saying. Look, you need to count the cost. You, you need to count the cost here. And you need to see what is it going to cost you to follow me. Like really follow Jesus Christ. Well, the only way you're going to follow him is if you, if, you, if you count the cost. And if you approve the things that are excellent. And we need the ability to distinguish those right now in the day we live in more than we ever have. Why, why, why do you say that? Well, because the world is feeding us. Man, listen, the world's feeding us all kinds of stuff right now. <laughs> I, got up, I got up yesterday morning, and I'm going through the house, and I'm getting me some coffee, and I'm, I'm moving kind of slow. I ain't slept, didn't sleep real good for a couple days, and I'm moving a little slow. and Eyes all matted together kind of, and I'm like, man, this you know, I'm just looking for the black rifle. That's all I'm looking for. Like, get me to the coffee. That's all I need right now. Well, I hear on TV, and there, uh, good, I think it's Good Morning America. They're, you know, man, they've been putting on this production for about a month to where uh, Robin Roberts is going to marry her wife, her fiancé on, on national television. I thought, man, what a celebration. What a detourment, what an allurement of Satan that would get all of uh, that would get all the minds of all the people watching. It desensitizes us without even knowing it. You know what happens? We we fail to approve things that are excellent. Now we're growing. We're just growing in the wrong place. We're growing in, in knowledge and in judgment, but our knowledge and our judgment are, are coming from the world. Right? We're, we're being, our, our thoughts and opinions are, are being formed from the world, and so we, we can't approve things that are excellent because of that. He says uh, that you may be sincere. 
and without offense under the day of Christ. That you may be sincere and without offense under the day of Christ. And I think we all know what that sincere means. It's, it means being sincere. It means it's, you're, it's, a, it's a heart thing for you. It's a heart that the gospel's turned into a heart thing for you. Uh, and, and, and that we may be without offense. Now, uh, preaching the gospel comes at the expense and, and being heard. You ready? Preaching the gospel and being heard comes at the, the expense of being blameless. That word without offense, that's what that means. Now, now look, Facebook land don't know that you're blameless. Don't know that you're not blameless. Because Facebook land don't get to live with, with, with all of us. Facebook land gets to see all the pretty stuff that everybody does, and they don't, they don't get to see all the other stuff. Unless you're like me, I'll, I'll, I'll air out some stupid stuff every now and just make sure everybody knows I'm still human. <laughs> like, I mean, all these preachers running around here and looking like celebrity yo-yos, and they ain't never done nothing wrong. God help us. But it is... It is it is my obligation to remain blameless to the world. How do you do that? Well, you keep your testimony. And then guess what? When you don't keep your testimony, you be man enough, you be woman enough to say, I'm sorry. I lost it. Man, I remember I've been coaching ball for, I've been coaching ball for about, I don't know, three months. And I don't even know what happened. I sailed off into a into an orbit of flesh like you've never seen on a ball field one day. And, and, and there wasn't no blows. There wasn't nothing like that. It just was carnal. And I felt terrible. <laughs> like I felt like the lowest form of, of Christian known to man. And what what I do? I, I called a special meeting uh, that Monday. And we met outside under a, a, at, the, at the batting cages underneath the pavilion. It was not our normal time. I said, look, we got to meet. I won't be able to sleep tonight. Everybody be at this location. It's raining outside. And I scouted our group together, all of our girls together, and I apologized. I, said I, how, I told them how wrong I was for what I did, and I explained why I was wrong. And you know what happened? I instantaneously became blameless again. Because I own my sin, I own my wrongdoing, I apologize, and I didn't do that again. Yes, sir, coach, thank you. Thank you for telling us. And I told them I sinned against the Lord, I sinned against my, uh, my testimony was hurt. And they're like, they thought I was crazy because people do that in their life all the time. Like, that's normal conduct for most people. It's just not, it's not supposed to be for a Christian. And so God's called me to be blameless. He's called you to be blameless. So how, look, when we're not blameless, when we have the blame, it's time to apologize, right? That's how we get, uh, that's how we get, blame, that's how we get blameless, okay? Number three, uh, I'll have to give you this one fast. The ongoing nature. Well, let's just look at the verse. Being filled, all right? So being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, uh, under the under the glory and the praise of God. So let's let's read all that together, uh, verse nine. And in this, I pray that your love that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and, and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, 
which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and the praise of God. So make sure, very first thing to understand, that, G, that the praise and the glory and this whole thing are, are, for G, are for God. That God is to be praised and God's to be glorified. And the only reason I'm doing any of this is that I can be filled with the fruits of righteousness which are actually by Jesus Christ and they actually praise God the Father. They glorify God the Father. So, so all of this combined is Paul's prayer that as, as he's praying for them that their love abounds in their knowledge and in their judgment that they can approve things that are excellent and that they're sincere and that they're without offense till the day of Christ. And, and, and when they do all that, Man, they're being filled. They're being filled. This is an ongoing filling. They're being filled with the fruits of righteousness. And I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a joyous deal. That sounds way cooler than what, than what I've lived in my past. It sounds like that could be worth living for. It sounds like it, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like a nine to five wouldn't be bad if I lived my life like this. Sounds like my job wouldn't be nearly as, as terrible if I, if I live with this on my heart, right? You say, well, you know, I don't know, some jobs are just whatever, they're terrible. But some of us, our jobs are bad because we live with a different purpose. I, I got news for you. Your marriage would change if this is the goal. If you don't no longer look at the person you're, 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 you're married to like a, like a, like a she, they got a siphon hose on the other end of them. And they're just supposed to give you all the joy and they're supposed to make your life grand. And I got news for you. You're not going to get from a fleshly person what you're intended to get from the Spirit of God. It'll never happen. I mean, we, we, we've, we've got, we, we, listen, we got people living through their kids. They're living their lives through, the, they're gaining their joy from what their kids are doing. Asinine, I know, but it is the truth. I, I want you to look at verse 12, and, and, and we'll pray. He said, but I would, you should understand. Brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Dang. Talking about all them bad things, Paul? Talking about being beat with rods and being beat with, with stripes, nearly to death, been beaten. You talking about all them people that died that you love, Paul? You talking about being shipwrecked and floating around in the middle of a 
a body of water. Talking about this imprisonment, this two-year imprisonment, you're, you're saying that, that, brethren, the things which have happened unto me, you need to understand something. All these things that's happened to me, they have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. It's crazy that, that, that uh, me and Diane were talking about that. And I, I knew I was going to preach this, and I couldn't, I couldn't divulge all that. But, but, uh, but even, even in Diane's life, and, and praise the Lord, hey, she has the discern, discernment to see it. But all that happened in her life with, with Ashley, you know, you know what happened? It's fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. And don't ever, don't ever take that. But anywhere other than where it's at. Because that, you know what? That makes Ashley's life and her death not in vain. Because it has fallen out to the furtherance of the gospel. It's fallen out to, Miss, to, to Ashley's mom getting saved. It's fallen out to, I don't know how many of you got to hear Chloe testify the other day, but one of the most grown-up testimonies I've ever heard come out of a little 16-year-old girl. Just, just one of the most grown-up testimonies. And my prayer, man, Lord, grow that child up a little bit. I'm ready to kill her. For real, like, and y'all say, "Oh, that's a great kid." Yeah, they're, yeah, they're all great. They're all great. Let me tell you, they just don't live with you. Brethren, you need to understand something. All this bad stuff that's happened to me. It's for the furtherance of the gospel. It's fell out. It's fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. Look, 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 look what he, look, look, how, look how he said, and we'll, we may hit these next week. Uh, look what he says. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace. And in all other places. Paul Paul is, is probably at this point, he is tied to a soldier. Like, like he's probably gotten somebody watching him all the time at this point. And so he literally has a captive audience. Like he has a soldier that's tied to him. There, there ain't no easier thing to do than to preach the gospel to a person that you're tied to in prison. And so all throughout the palace, this dude is preaching the gospel because he's having to be tied to one of these guards. Okay? And then he says, and in all other places, everywhere they take me, I'm preaching the gospel. And one of the coolest verses right here, verse 14. You need, you look, look at verse 14. And many other brethren in the Lord. Ready? And many other brethren in the Lord. Waxing confident by my bonds. So my, my, me being bound and preaching the gospel. Me being tied to the soldier and preaching the gospel. Me being me in all other play in all the palace. Me being tied. They're waxing confident. Many other brethren in the Lord, they're getting confidence. They are getting boldness. And are much more bold to speak the word 
without what most of us have all the time. Fear. I bet if I, bet if I polled every single one of you in this room, 90% of us, 99% of us don't preach the gospel out of fear. Not because you don't believe it. But you would rather believe the fear behind. You would rather believe the fear over trusting the Lord. So Paul, Paul says, man, here's how, here's what's happened. This thing has, has, has fallen out to God, the gospel being furthered by other people getting, gaining confidence from my preaching in jail. So here's, here's what I want to give you. Your confidence in preaching the gospel. Directly impacts every single one of us. In our confidence. To preach the gospel. I know for a fact. There's been a lot of times. That my kids have gained the ability to say something about Jesus Christ to somebody because they've been fortunate enough to see me do it. Sarah Jo has seen me, I don't know how many times, witness the coon hunters. She just knows we're going to be here a while. If the topic of Jesus Christ ever comes up, we're going to be here a while. And I, I can't tell you how many times this kid from seven, eight years old, I can't tell you how many times I got back in that truck, that little, that, um, I get back in my little tracker, and she'd say, well, did he get saved? No, he, he didn't get saved. Well, did you tell him? Yeah, I told him. Are right, we going home now? That's the next question. Because she usually had been sitting there 20 or 30 minutes. Maybe longer. Because I couldn't help but do in the middle. Listen, there ain't, there ain't nothing separate. There ain't, there ain't nothing but air and opportunity in the middle of the night, in the dark, when it's you and one other boy. You know why? Because you can't see their face. <laughs> it, didn't, it, ne it never bothered me. Like, for real. Hey, man, do, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. Hey, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it never bothered me because I couldn't see their face. I couldn't see whether they were, like, mad. I couldn't see whether they were sad. I couldn't see whether they were, like, what is this dude doing? There's no better place than doing it right, right there in the middle of the woods. It's just you and all of God's stuff. But I think that, I think a lot of times, the reason our kids don't evangelize is because they don't see us do it. Wouldn't it be cool to live? Some, somebody told me the other day, this gener the generation coming up, they just want to, they're just living for a purpose. They're just trying to find a purpose. 
it'd be cool if their parents jumped the purpose that they've been after for so long and got this one. Got this as their purpose. Not going to church. Not, not being good people. The gospel. Furtherance of the gospel. And can we pray about that tonight? I'd love to pray about that with you. All right, Lord. Um, God, I pray that you help us. I pray, God, that you burden us. And, Lord, you, you envision us to preach the gospel. Uh, Lord, that you see that our lives being consumed with the gospel could change the entire trajectory of our life. Lord, eventually, uh, God, it, it, it changes our life completely. It it, our, our source of joy and our source of, of enjoyment, it comes from the gospel. It comes from preaching the gospel. It comes from being about the gospel and being about uh, the gospel ministry. And Lord, investing in people and seeing people come to faith in Christ. God, I pray that you'd, you'd help to bring that burden to fruition in our life, God, that we'd get serious about some things. God, that we get serious about understanding that, Lord, every single person that draws air has a dead spirit inside of them that needs a new birth. God, I pray that you would you'd, you'd bring us to a place, God, to where it gets real for us. God, use tonight for your glory and your honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Perfect timing. Dylan just got done. I don't know when the rest of this crew is going to be done, though.